America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to Everyday Motherhood, the podcast that inspires you to pause, connect, and play more every single day. The podcast that's focused on you, the mom, to help you fill up your cup and rediscover the joy and love in your everyday life. Motherhood is too important to do it alone. So come with me and do it together. Don't forget to check out my new website, www.keepcalmmotheron.com. My name is Christy Thomas. I am so excited today to bring Sandra on. She is an expert and trained in Myers-Briggs personalities. I don't know about you, but I love personality tests. If they're like the Facebook quiz about random colors or just the thing in the magazine. So thank you for coming on. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So... Have you always been in love with personality tests like me? Like, how did you (laughs) jump in? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I was definitely, you know, always loved looking in the magazines Uh um, at the little quizzes. And even though those were always so obvious, what you know, if you just pick B down the line, you're going to get, you always know what your (laughs) result is going to (laughs) be. Yeah, Um, those early days of 17 magazine. totally. I loved those. Um, but what really drew me to Myers-Briggs and kind of got me really into that personality type model and later Enneagram was um, when I was first heard about the model and I first figured out my type and I read the type description and it just like hit me like, oh my gosh, like I feel like this description written on this website knows me better than I know myself. And it just felt like sort of like I was being laid bare, like it made me feel very vulnerable. Like, and I just resonated with so deeply. And I was curious, like, how could this model get at me so deeply? What is it about Myers-Briggs that makes it so accurate and um, became really, really interested in it and kind of dove deep and wanted to learn all about it and apply it in every area of my life, which I did (laughs) and still do. (laughs) So, how does it work? Like, can you give us a 90 second backdrop of like why Myers-Briggs works how it does? Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar or are familiar, it's the personality type model that, that's denoted by four letters. So you're, you'll hear people say like, oh, I'm an ESFP or I'm an INFJ, which is what I am. Um, and each of the letters stands for one of a preference pair. So like the first letter is either you prefer introversion or extroversion. If you prefer introversion, your letter is I. If you prefer extroversion, your letter is E. But what a lot of people don't know, and so each of those four letters has a preference pair, and you're one of whichever one you prefer is your letter, and that gives you your four-letter set. But what a lot of people don't know about Myers-Briggs is that it's actually a lot. there's actually a much deeper level to that. 
And that's kind of where the meat of Myers-Briggs is and what makes those type descriptions so accurate. And what it is, is it's kind of, it shows you your different layers. So even though, say I'm an INFJ, I prefer introversion, mm-hmm. there is an extroverted part of me. And a lot of people know this just off the bat. That's why a lot of people are like, well, I'm not an introvert or an extrovert. I'm an ambivert. Right. right? That's what I was going to say. Like, I have an I too, but I'm yeah, always but- like... Am I really? I don't know. Yeah. And a lot of people are turned off by Myers-Briggs because they feel that they're like, well, I'm not just one or the other. And and Myers-Briggs actually recognizes that, which is not what people always know. Um, What it does is it pulls back those layers and it talks about your functions. And my first function is an introverted function, which is what makes me an introvert overall or in general. Um, but my second function is an extroverted function as an INFJ. My second function is something called extroverted feeling. And that drives me to connect with people. Um, it makes me in tune with how everyone around me is feeling in the room. It makes me really drive to, um, make decisions that are for the good of, for the collective good of others. And it's, understanding those functions and the fact that you have both sides to you, but where do they fall in line of your functioning and your preferences? And that really gets to the meat of, of how you function in life. And of course it Myers-Briggs as any personality type model doesn't describe all of who you are. It's just one aspect, but Myers-Briggs really gets at something and puts into words things that I couldn't understand before. That's really interesting because when I think of Myers-Briggs, I think of the grids, right, of like movie stars and they label like, oh, this Harry Potter character is this or this Star Wars character is that. (laughs) And so I see it as like a really surface thing, even though um, I'm an INFP, I've taken an official test, Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't really understand all of the nuances. So if someone's taken a quiz... Why should they take the time to figure out what you're saying about the layers? Like, why does that matter versus just the four letters? Uh, because the letters work differently depending on which other letters they're paired with. So, for example, you're an INFP. Mm-hmm. I'm an INFJ. That P and that J actually makes a really big difference between us. A lot of people think INFP, INFJ, same thing. We both prefer introversion. We both prefer feeling. We both prefer intuition. But in fact, um, you use your feeling in a very different way than I use my feeling. And you use your intuition in a very different way than I use my intuition. Interesting. So what would be Um, our differences? So if you were to say, like, what would if there's a question, like how you would prepare for something? Well, we can look at it. We can look at it with parenting. Okay. Yeah. my, My frame is that I usually put things in the family in parenting. Or in kids, we could look at, um, like, actually, a really good example for me is my daughter. She's an ISFP. ISFPs and INFPs use feeling in the same way. Okay. They both use, they use it, something called authenticity or introverted feeling. And for them, all the feelings are around your internal values, tastes, and desires, and the decisions that you make in life, Mm -hmm. you really want them to be in line with those. And so there's a lot of taking thing, taking an information and Mm -hmm. then sifting it through those inner desires, values, and needs before you make a decision. Correct. Whereas, (laughs) (laughs) and they can be really in tune with that and really good at like, um, making space for that in other people too. 
Mm-hmm. And so having and so you INFPs, I, INFJs, they both have a lot of empathy, but for different reasons. Okay. INFPs, it's because of that ability to go really deep in themselves, make them able to understand when other people are dealing with deep emotions because they themselves do that. With INFJs and ISFJs and ENFJs and ESFJs, uh-huh. we all use something called extroverted feeling or harmony. And for us, we're much more externally focused. We're very aware of what the collective, what the needs of the collective good are, not very good at understanding our own desires, tastes, and needs. In fact, if we haven't done a good job at developing that part of ourselves, we can just go with others and not even, like, I remember it took me until I was like, I don't know, 24, 25 to even have my own like political, spiritual beliefs because I was so unaware of what was going on in my own space with my own emotions. How interesting. Yeah. And I think I've had core beliefs forever. Like, I don't think I've ever had a moment where I didn't have like my own deep opinion that, Mm -hmm. huh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And so it, it can make a very, very different experience raising a child who's an extroverted feeler versus an introverted feeler. Um, you know, with my daughter, it's, it's very much about what deep emotion is she experiencing right now? And we really have to spend a lot of time on that. Um, and if you have a child who's and who uses harmony or extroverted feeling, you really need to a lot, spend, um, a lot of time on helping them discover their own desires and speaking up for themselves because they're not even aware of them. Um, and they can be, they can be prone to people pleasing, although introverted fears can be prone to that as well. But this is so interesting. Huh? You've just blown my mind in like the first, <laughs> first little devil here. So I can see why knowing this about your kids or knowing this about your partner would be really helpful in the family situation. Yeah. So is there an age of kid that's too young for you to like figure out? Like what's the rule for parents with helping type kids or is there a good guideline there? Sandra? Yeah, when I work, when I work with families, um, if they are seven or older or of, of second grade reading level and higher, that's when I will involve the child in the process. And depending on their maturity, they can sometimes pick their own type, which is my favorite because I really think that people should have that experience of doing their self-reflection and picking their own type. If they're younger than seven, we still go through the process, um, but I use your observations as the parent to type them, and we call it a best guess type. And um, you can reevaluate when they're older and see if they still resonate with that because we don't want to, you know, to assign anyone a type. Um, and I will go as young as four, sometimes even three, but definitely the younger get we get, the more we call it more of a guess, right? Yeah. Um, but you can still get you know, even at three, you should be able to get at least a couple letters. And that still gives you some very deep insight, even just, even just knowing if your child prefers introversion or extroversion can be huge in understanding how to help them with things. Huge, huge that I notice in different families, like my family definitely has a lot of introverts in it. And some of our best friends have a lot of extroverts in it. And they always joke like, oh, well, those Thomas kids, they need to go have their introvert time. (laughs) <laughs> like it's a verb that we use at our house. Like everyone yeah. needs to go have some space Yeah, and, and we have to build that and, in. Yeah. And there's little tips and tricks like, you know, introvert um, kids who prefer introversion can have a harder time with 
you know, getting into new activities, going to their gymnastics class, whatever. There's little tips you can do to help kids who prefer introversion with that type of thing. Kids who prefer extroversion have their own things. Like, for example, they may not think before they speak. (laughs) (laughs) And so understanding that when they say something, don't hold them on it right away, right? Let Give them time to rethink it and re-say it. Don't hold them and or label what they said as mean or cruel. Give them give them a minute to rethink it. Oh, do you want to think about that and say it again? Um, don't interrupt them when they're speaking because speaking is how they think. They are literally thinking out loud. And if you interrupt them, you've interrupted their process of thinking. So there's lots of like little tips and tricks, even just understanding one of the preference pairs in your kids can be really helpful. So if you guess a kid or if a kid older than seven takes this test, do people's MBTI letters change as they grow up? Like, or should they be pretty constant? They're constant. So it's something it's it's the way you're wired and you will be wired that way your whole life. It doesn't mean that you don't change and grow as a person. Okay. Absolutely, you you work on different sides of yourself, but Myers Briggs doesn't measure skill. Okay, it measures your preferred way of being in the world, and you might say, "But I changed my preferences too," um, and in some ways you do. But if you have a preference for introversion, you'll always will be that way. It doesn't mean you can't also extrovert yourself. It, I mean, I consider myself excellent at extroverting, right? <laughs> but um, but you know, it, I will always need that time to recharge. That's just who I am. Yeah. I, and I've practiced extroverting, right? Like it's a, it's a skill that I've worked to develop that, yes. that like four-year-old Christy might have looked way more introverted than men me now. So that's interesting. Yes. When you're working with a family, should the parents know their numbers letters first? Like where would you work first? Yeah. My favorite is when I get to work with an entire family because if you understand everyone's personality type, it's easier to put it in context. Yeah. Right. To understand, like I use intuition. My daughter uses sensing. It's easier to understand what that means. If you understand them both separately first and then bring them together. Um, so usually when I work with a family, I will, will do the parents first and I type the parents together, okay. especially if the family's still together, but if they're, um, separate, if, yep, they're, if they're co-parenting divorced, and separate. Yep. Yeah, we can either do it separate or together, depending on comfort level. And um, and then after the parents know their types, then we do the kids' types. And then we bring it all together, and I compare all the different types in the family and the differences and where we need to have more compassion for one person. Um, you know, how can we compromise and make sure that everyone in the family is getting their needs met? When you're looking at all those personalities, are there common ones that come up over and over again as misunderstanding each other? Like, are there the same ones over and over? Like if parents know, they're like, okay, like I've read, I know what my husband is. He's an ISTJ, like we're total opposites except for these eyes. And um, so when we're looking at each other, what things are more common for you to see when people are coming to you with different letters? Yeah, so one of the big ones as far as like misunderstanding. Yeah. Mm as far as conflict can go yeah. is the thinking or the feeling preference because it changes the way that you prefer to make decisions. And so especially between uh, co-parenting, mm-hmm. there, there can be a big 
big difference in how you prefer to do things. And then um, between children, also, if you say you have a, a parent who prefers making decisions with using feeling and a child who prefers making decisions with thinking, uh-huh. the, the issue there, and I can tell you my son um, prefers thinking, is that we can see their behavior as we, we see it as rude, mean, um, unfeeling, when it's really not. It's just that people who prefer thinking, and especially kids who haven't l- developed that empathy yeah. yet, um, they just prefer to do things without taking in the feelings, desires, and values of themselves or of others into account because to them it muddies up the waters and it's hard for them to see clearly. And they don't understand why other people don't function like that too. And so like I give a great example with my kids, you know, my daughter who prefers feeling is coloring a picture. Yeah. And she says, you know, big brother, do you like my drawing? And he looked at it and he saw that he doesn't like the colors that she used. And she went out of the lines and he says, no, I don't like it because you went out of the lines and I don't like those colors. And of course, my daughter <laughs> took that very personally and started crying and your first reaction might be like, why would you say that? That's so mean if uh-huh. you're a feeler or even if you're a thinker because you've learned not to do that sort of thing. Right. But it's him, rude. What did you say? Yeah. <laughs> but to him, he was just like, but I was asked a question that I was answering logically and honestly. Right. You know, he was six at the time. And but to be able to walk him through it logically, he's a he's an INTJ. TJs yeah. tend to be your rule following kids. Yeah. Once once they understand a rule, they can follow it very well, and they like rules. And so once I was able to logically walk him through that, this is um, something that she made. And if someone thinks it's good, it makes it feel makes her feel good about herself. If someone says it's bad, it makes her feel bad about herself. So when you told her you didn't like it, it made her feel really bad about herself and like she's not a very good artist. So we don't tell people that we don't like something because it makes them feel bad. Once he was able to follow that logic and make it a rule, he's never told her that again. <laughs> but it's up for him, it's not about the empathy and maybe making able to make the connection. It's about being able to logically follow a rule. Oh my gosh, this is so interesting to me. Um, we've had so many conversations in my house and my default is always to go like to the feeling and to the connection part of it. And my husband's like, how did you get there? Like (laughs) we were talking about something completely different and here you're talking about the feelings involved in this. Yes. And he's like, this is not involved in this story. And I was like, of course it is. So this (laughs) is so interesting. Thank you. You're like solving the mysteries of being married after 17 years almost. <laughs> and a lot of times you will find in marriages uh, or partnerships that the, the TF difference, um, not always, but, uh, and, it, and, and more often than not, it's male T, female F, but al- also that's not always down the line. Sometimes it's the opposite. So what other pr- numbers and, or yeah, not numbers, letters do you <laughs> often see? So we, we talked about the T and the F, what other ones stand out often in families as something that seems yeah. misunderstood? Um, so for for communication, mm-hmm. the biggest communication problems happen when there's a difference between the intuition or the sensing, which is the N or the S. Okay. And 
that comes down to how you take in information from the world around you. So people who prefer intuition, they tend to be more big picture meanings, ideas. How are, how is the data connected to, they like to look behind something. They like metaphors. People who prefer sensing are more about what's practical. What's right in front of me. What can I say? What can I see, taste, smell, hear? What are the facts? What are the details? Um, and so that, as you can imagine, that could be very different communication wise. Very much so. so. Yeah. So do you think like just like the the nightly bath time routine, right? Uh huh. Um, a sensing parent might have like want the intuit the in- intuition parent to give the bath and say, I, you know, I want you to it needs to start at this time and they they get in the bath together and they have you use this specific shampoo, this specific conditioner. Make sure you rinse it off. It could be dried off by a certain time because then it's bedtime and here's the, you know, the detangling stuff you put in and then whatever. They have a very specific things. And the intuition parent hears, oh, we need bath time before bed because it's part of the routine. Fine. And they go in and the kids are a little cranky and uh, you know what? They, their hair seems fine. I don't think it really needs to be cleaned or yeah. I'm just going to use this one because it's closer It's just enough. It's just good yeah. enough. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. the idea of a bath versus... Right. This and structured, logical parent, order. Yeah. Right. And the sensing parent might get very upset about that because they weren't listening to the details. But the intuition parent was like, but I, I gave the bath and that was the whole point. And so there can be a breakdown there. Okay. So those are really, really good ideas to like look for in terms of differences. But are there things that can draw us together when we know our personalities too. Like, so what are the things that go together more often, Sandra? Yeah. I mean, obviously if you have the same preferences as someone, like that's something that goes together. I can tell you that I think it's much easier. My own family is a full family of introverts and that makes it really easy because it's not like we're trying to manage different energy levels as far as who needs more interaction than anyone else. Right. Yep. Um, but you know, having the same letters can also sometimes be difficult in different ways, which we don't have time to get into all the different combinations <laughs> right. here. <but> Absolutely not. <laughs> they can um, go listen to your podcast where you dig deep into this with your co-host. Yeah. But I find that in the in the parenting unit, it's it can look really nice when people are opposites and things too, because they really balance each other out. I can take my own parents have exact opposite preferences from one another. My mom has ENFP. My dad has ISTJ. Yep. And they complement each other so well when they're here watching the kids. My dad is the one he's who's got getting all the practical stuff done, keeping them on schedule. He's got dinner planned. He's got he's coming up behind my mom and cleaning up the messes. My mom is engaged in play and she's got this idea of what we're <laughs> going to do in this adventure. And then she explodes a big project all over the table. And then my dad comes along and cleans it up because we have to get ready for dinner. And he takes care of all the practical needs. And so the the differences can also really balance each other out really well and make sure that you have a well-balanced home. Um, and like say one personality type is better in planning for the future and the other personality type is better at keeping us grounded in the now, you know? Yeah. I love that. So if a parent wants to learn more, they can listen to your podcast and your podcast Mm -hmm. is called what again? Family personalities. Okay. I wanted to make sure I get the name right because it's always bad when you look for the wrong podcast. So family personality. <laughs> so you can start with the family personalities podcast, but are there books? Are there things out there for parents that are easy to find? Where would you suggest them to start looking if yeah, they've there's, never there's, gone down this rabbit hole? 
Yeah, you can take a quick fun quiz online. Please, please, please never rely on the results of an online quiz for a personality type, for Myers-Briggs, for Enneagram, for any of them. It's just, it's way too complex for a forced choice questionnaire online to get it accurately. Um, but it's a fun place to start and get you to start reading some of the types and playing around with it. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. Family personalities is my handle. And I post a lot of stuff if you just want to dip your toe in. And then I actually just put up on my website a free download where you can um, tell it's a, a checklist that you can look at to see whether your child prefers introversion or extroversion. Oh, just that's like a, huge. A starting point. Yeah. So if you go to my website, www.familypersonalities.com and click on downloads, um, it's free. You can download that and take a look at it. Um and yeah, I mean, that's a great place to just start because it is very complex and there's a lot to it. But if you just start with one and you start observing your kid here and there, what they're doing, uh, it can really, it, you'd be surprised that even just the typing process, people learn so much just from that. Okay. So I don't think we went through what the four, what the eight letters are. So there's introversion mm. and extroversion. Those are the first yep. two letters. Yep. And then there's intuition and sensing which they use N for intuition and then S for sensing. Okay. And then the third letter pairing is thinking and feeling, which is T or F. And then the last letter pairing is J or P, which is judging or perceiving. Okay. And I don't think we've talked about J or P. What would those <laughs> look like? Judging and perceiving. perceiving. And this one's a little more complicated. And that's why I always don't, I don't always bring it up right away. Yeah. Because it does make it, like I said, with the INFP, INFJ, it does change how you use all your other functions. But one way to look at it is judgers, um, and it doesn't mean you're judgmental, which is right. what I thought when I first read it. I was like, oh, this creds doesn't know me. I'm not judgmental, which I totally am, but that's, very, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. It's um, so interesting what words trigger and the nuances yeah. <laughs> of language. Um, so judgers, it's it's kind of how you orient, how you, um, not how you orient yourself to your outer world, but it's um, judgers seek to control their outer world and put things in, in motion and put things in order. Perceivers take take what the outer world is and fit themselves into it is one way of looking at it. Um, and so some people will look at it as far as like, do you like to schedule and plan things or do you like to leave them more spontaneous and open? Um, do you like to have things decided so you can move on? Or do you like to postpone the decision so that you can take in more information? Those are some of the things you can look at to decide judging versus perceiving. Okay. And I think when this was explained to me that we took the quiz with a bunch of different Navy spouses and they were bringing groups of people on stage. And I think the one was the people that had their whole vacation planned out was like mm -hmm. their perfect vacation and then the other group was like fly by the seat of their pants mm -hmm. for vacation yeah, and that that's one example but it's uh, like like all the letters but I think especially in this letter uh -huh. in Myers-Briggs it's more complicated than that because <laughs> I can tell you to know. my mom who's ENFP <laughs> she plans out to the like everything like she's got our days packed with plans but for her it's because she's afraid of missing out on things and when we actually get there she doesn't follow all those things and she wants to be able to like jump and do something else if she can so it's a little more complicated than that but that is kind of if you just want to look at it really quickly that, that's one example you could use is there anything else you want to say about personalities like why did you jump into this was it just because of those quizzes at the beginning or did it help you 
see yourself more. Yeah, it helped me. It helped me understand other people better, really, because I think I don't know if everyone does this, but as a younger person, I thought everyone was like me. And so when I saw other people making different decisions, living their life differently, I couldn't understand it. And honestly, that's where when I said, oh, I actually am judgmental, that my natural (laughs) bent was to judge other people for what they're doing. I was like, why are you doing it that way? That's silly. But then when I understood that, oh, they're doing something in this completely other way, their brain works in a completely different way. And to me, the most powerful part of bringing it into your family is when you really look at all those functions and you see that each one has a superpower and there's a reason that we all function very differently. And when you can really um, appreciate your spouse, your kids for their superpowers and see that how they're different from you is actually beneficial to the whole, uh, that to me is so valuable um, in raising our children in in being able to have compassion for the people in our life. Every, according to Dr. Dan Siegel, every kid wants to feel safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And so if you know their full personality and can see the superpowers instead of seeing where it's sandpaper to you because it's different than your own or the same as your own and just different (laughs) because of the other letters. um, Yeah, that's really quite the gift. If we can have our kids be stronger and more confident in themselves, it sounds like that's what Myers-Briggs does for your family. Yeah, I really like seeing that in my own kids and being able to value what they have to bring to the world instead of trying to change them into the way I think they should be because it's going to bring them so much more self-esteem, so much it's going to make them so much more mentally healthy and they're going to be stronger in who they are and be able to bring their gift to the world. What a gift you're giving to the world by raising kids that have agency about themselves and realize that how they are is just how they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's my hope. (laughs) That's fantastic. And then is there a first book that you suggest people to read before they talk to you or what would be the first steps? No, I mean, there's there there isn't much on, you know, parenting and all that. Um, If I honestly if you would like to just start working with me, I go from a very intro level. However, if you just want to get your feet wet and you can go, there's so much Myers-Briggs stuff out there for adults. Just Google it, take a quiz just for fun. But please, as I said, please, please, please don't rely on those results. (laughs) (laughs) So many mistyped people out there that, you know, they're like, I'm at whatever. And I'm like, you're really not, but okay. (laughs) So do those grids of like Harry Potter characters and Star Wars characters drive you crazy? I mean, those are fine. It's harmless. And I do that. We actually do that on the podcast, too. We take just for fun. We take jab. We take stabs at celebrities, personality types and stuff like that. But um, don't try and base your whole like self-work and self-image if you don't if you aren't sure if that's what your type is. (laughs) Yeah, because the real quiz is much different than the quizzes online. I was surprised when I took like the official typing indicator. Even How? the official one from the MBTI Corporation, which is the one that I use in my typing uh-huh. process, even that is only 80% accurate. You have to work with a professional or really dive into the material yourself to work out the to confirm, decide. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. That's good to know because um, there were people in my class, and they're like, "This is different than when I've taken it before." So that's mm-hmm. always like a the red flag to me. That's why I was curious about what you said about kids. If people change or not, um, 
I think you can change how you take the quiz, but you don't, you don't actually change yourself. (laughs) I think you're right. Um, (laughs) You change how you perceive yourself through your life, all that for sure. Well, thank you. This is really great. So I have a question for you as an mom. How do you fill your self-care cup? How do I fill my self-care cup? Lots of time alone, which is really hard to get. Uh, But I didn't even realize how much time alone I needed until I became a mom. So uh, walks by myself are probably the biggest. Do you take headphones with you or do you just go completely silent? Yep. Yep, It's my podcast time. I listen to podcasts on my walks. (laughs) Okay. And right now, what are your top two podcasts that you like to listen to? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie. Okay. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie. Uh, They do they investigate um like fringe science and spirituality claims and they that what they say is we take part so you don't have to so oh like that's fun and investigate and then they tell you about it and they're hilarious um what's my other favorite podcast right now um i like chatty broads I, my uh my podcast co-host and i are obsessed with the bachelor and yeah. bachelorette franchise <laughs> And Chatty Broads is they recap um, those podcasts and they're also just really funny and they do lots of like lifestyle episodes. And so I listen to them a lot. Too. So how are you connecting as a family at this time? Because every episode ends with a play idea on my podcast. Oh, a play idea. That's great. We're really big into outdoors. And so just heading to a lake, getting some sort of craft, like a paddle board or whatever and getting out on the water together is really really nice it's a great for teaching my kids a little bit of um uh, mindfulness too you get out in the middle of the lake it's quiet and you Mm -hmm. say what can you feel what can you hear what can you see you know Uh it's really nice yeah that sounds like an awesome moment have you seen cool wildlife lately we have a lot of deer in the backyard constantly um little bunnies that's yeah. about it. <laughs> okay. You no cool wildlife while you're out boating in the middle of where you are? No. Haven't seen anything cool out there yet. That's okay. It will happen eventually. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on here and breaking down Myers Brig in a simple yep. way. Now I'm inspired me. to go figure out all my kids. I hope that you do dip your toe into the Myers-Brig system and learn about your family. And don't forget to go check out the Family Personalities Podcast. I really enjoyed her episode with Meredith Atwood about being an Enneagram 8. It's good for me to listen to. I am not on social media right now. So please send an email or leave a rating and review if you want to give me any feedback about this podcast. Now, don't forget... The name is going to change soon in October. It's going to change. They keep calm mother on. So subscribe now. So this is not lost in your feed. You are the right mom for your kids and your kids are the right kids for you. Thank you for being here. I am so lucky to know you. Bye.